Dr. Barnes brought over a batch or two of paintings that his good high school friend William Glackens had picked up from Paris and showed them to the intelligentsia and the culturati in Center City over at the Pennsylvania Academy of the Fine Arts, and they were deemed ridiculous. And at that time, young people were invested in coming here, learning, young painters. And part of my desire and, and, my, and our interest as, a, as an institution is to, is to ruffle a few feathers, to make it a little bit more difficult. Hi, this is Libby. And this is Roberta. And this is Art Blog Radio. Today we're talking with John Gaddy. He is an artist, but he's also an instructor in art and aesthetics at the Barnes Foundation. And that's where we're sitting right now. He has taught the Barnes Method for more than 10 years, and more recently he began the class Art Now, in which he takes his students to Philadelphia's commercial galleries and museums to study what is being made and exhibited today. Uh, so you're from Kennett Square, which is pretty close to Philadelphia, um, but we read that the first time you visited the Barnes Foundation was in 2001. Why was that? Yeah, well, they had decided back then to expand the educational department, to actually establish uh, a department of sorts, begin uh, a faculty year. And uh, I was the first to be selected as, as a member of that faculty. We have an ongoing um, uh, rotating group of great painters and sculptors, all of them artists who teach here. And that, that didn't expand to much more than myself as being the only full-time faculty, simply because within eight or nine months of me being um, hired, it was deemed time to move to the city. And there, the, the wheels started turning, announcements were made, the press started arriving in Marion, and uh, we were on a, on a hiring freeze. How did you, how, why did they select you? Did you know the Barnes Method intuitively? No, I knew nothing about the Barnes Method. But what I did know, what I did know is how to teach and how to, how to transpose ideas, particularly with, uh, with art, objects, anything. I had a, a, quite an extensive background doing, doing, doing just that. Can you tell us a little about that background? Well, sure. I've uh, worked as an adjunct faculty member um, in different universities. But, uh, but by and large, I've been also working with, with uh, individuals from, uh, from all demographics and, and all age groups. I had just recently come from uh, Bucks County Community College where I was running a K-12 um, program there. We were calling the Art Mobile, which was actually a curated exhibition, a mobile trailer, which was recreated to appear like a classroom and a gallery. Original works on there? Original or? works. We, 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 had, uh, we, had, we had a Keith Haring, we had a, a Ramir Bearden at the time that I was there, and a few other archival works uh, from uh, African collections from different, different places. We would work closely with other curators, and then I would develop curriculum and also do the teaching and make those affiliations and connections between the contemporary artists, the art by the indigenous peoples of Western Africa, and, uh, and also curriculum, curricula that was going on in and around the schools. So with that, I've also, prior to that, spent a year with Trinity College in, uh, from Hartford, Connecticut, in Italy, working as a coordinator and instructor for uh, one of their overseas programs in both Palermo and Perugia. So these it, were nothing, Americans these were going Americans, to Italy? Americans, yeah. And uh, for example, in Palermo, we took them all throughout the, the, the island of Sicily, uh, hitting all of the archival and areas, museums, and, and also getting them engaged in the whole in the culture itself. 
if, if anything could ready me for the, <laughs> for the demographic here, <laughs> it, was, it was my experience in, in Italy. So it, it's broad in terms of my educational background. So, and now that the Barnes is on the Parkway, you're doing the same education you were doing in Marion, but in addition, there's programming here that did not exist in Marion, if I understand. Right, right. So right. tell us a little bit about how you're doing some programming, like the first Friday sure, programs. Sure, it's, it's wonderful that we can do that here. We were really strapped there. We, our hands were tied. We were, uh, there were so many sanctions and, and, um, and th th things that were just basically prohibited. Here, uh, we have pretty much carte blanche uh, to do anything that we want, really. Uh, I, in fact, have been doing one in particular recently where I've, they've asked me to, uh, to work with uh, sommeliers as well as distributors of spirits, wine, beer, sake just recently, tequila even more recently, where I'm going about the galleries selecting art based on the olfactory qualities that I perceive exist within them or what I know about the artists who perhaps thought about those things. We have a great radon right around the corner from this classroom sensualist himself, I can go and point to that composition and pull out things that taste pretty much like a, like a good tequila blanco. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so what did you pair with the sake? The sake. Oh, going back to the sake. You know, I decided not, not to choose any of our uh, Eastern collection, any of the Japanese prints that Dr. Barnes had collected. He, he collected a, a, a box, what well, I'm going to call a box of them, because that's basically where they are right now. They're not on display. Hopefully one day they will. But uh, I felt that it would have been more interesting to find sort of the Western equivalent to something that may have, uh, may have a, a process that is created more as a non, in a non-Western manner. Um, I also f tried to tie in this relationship that Barnes did, this polycultural relationship between the cultures, the non-Western cultures, particularly... The, the Orient and, uh, and West Africa as a means by which artists were, were really gathering information, particularly formalist information, and then working those ideas, particularly in color and line and space in particular. Barnes was a pioneer in that regard, and I thought this would be a great opportunity to, take, to, to bring that point up to, uh, to a population who typically wouldn't come to the Barnes or would come primarily to taste, <laughs> and the idea is to get them afterwards not intoxicated, but but, but <laughs> <Have> the conservatories <laughs> would not have that. But but uh, to actually get them into the galleries and then and hunt hunt that those paintings, you know, that we were. Did you discussing. let them hunt, or did you kind of direct them? Oh, we we gave them a road map. <laughs> and that's essentially what we do, and that's a, probably a good a good way to talk about the way we 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 deal with education here. Is it's essentially a road map. It's it's not a. A mandate. We don't tell them that this is how you must look at art. The idea that, that the uh, the uh, Barnesian pedagogy is one in which is a, a standardized pedagogy uh, in which we impose upon our clientele or our students is is uh, and not something that we practice here. Instead, we'd like to think we're giving our students the tools to find and discover visually some of the nuances that certain artists, particularly the artists in the collection, have used to create these some of the greatest works in all of Western civilization. The idea here is to see, Barnes referred to it as visual literacy, and I like the, the parallel to all of us 
being very able to read and write and, and learning that from the time that we're able to speak, but not so much unless we're, we have this proclivity towards picking up paintbrushes as children, or, or we have parents who have that and, and hand them to us, or those who take us in arm and to galleries and museums. To do anything like that, it just doesn't happen. And oftentimes we go through life not being visually literate. So is there any sense of your demographic who's coming here um, changing since you move, or, or is it basically the, the same people? Or Yeah, the demographic is in, in classes is, is pretty much the same, I'm going to say. Uh, and it might have as much to do with the, uh, the nature of the painting itself. It's pretty, it's easy, it's accessible. Or it's the vanguard. At one time it wasn't, and this was, goes back to the time that Dr. Barnes brought over a batch or two of paintings that his good high school friend William Glackens had picked up from Paris and showed them to the intelligentsia and the culturati in Center City over at Pennsylvania Academy of the Fine Arts, and they were deemed ridiculous. Uh, and at that time, young people were invested in coming here, learning, young painters. And part of my desire and, and, my, and our interest as, a, as an institution is to, is to ruffle a few feathers, to make it a little bit more difficult. And so we've had great success with individuals, students, who are interested in starting the Stepping Stone again is the Barnes Foundation, the hub is the Barnes, moving out into the communities and witnessing uh, contemporary work uh, we, with our rotating exhibition space. Um, yeah, tell us about that. We were talking earlier and you... It's the special exhibits gallery, special exhibition gallery, but now it has a name. It's the Roberts uh, Gallery now of Comcast fame. And uh, Aileen is a very active participant here. She was actually uh, headed the, uh, the committee to select the architects for who, who created the building itself. But it's a very large, I call it the Gago our Gagosian. It's that, it's that big and impressive, and it can be divided up into smaller galleries. The new show will be Ellsworth Kelly, and so uh, Kelly's work adorns the front of our, uh, the external part of our gardens. I read that um, on your website, in fact, that the piece that was kind of ripped from the walls of the Philadelphia Transportation Building back in 1998, I want to say, and MoMA is now the owner of it, is going to be back in that right, show. Right, right, right. That'll be the, the centerpiece of the, of the exhibition. And so it's rather monumental, and it's going to take up quite a, quite a large section of that room. Um, but it'll be back. It's revisiting. We're revisiting it, and it's coming back to, to visit us once again. So that really is uh, uh, something I, I feel that, uh, again, people coming from all parts of the world now, they had when we were in Marion, but... Uh, it's, it, it, again, we're more accessible. There's no question about it. And we're seeing individuals coming down, training, planning, what have you, here to Philadelphia uh, with the intention not only of seeing the collection but to visit these ex exhibits, which will run anywhere from three to four months before moving on. I was going to ask you, how did you convince the people at the Barnes that they needed to have a contemporary art class? How, what was the reaction, and how did that go? Well, it's interesting. Derek Gilman, who had just come from PAFA, um, was very much accustomed to having contemporary art around him. He was right there with me, right behind it. Uh, we also felt that our constituents on the main line um, were very accustomed to coming to the barns almost as a, as a, as a country club of sorts, as a cultural <laughs> anchor. And, 
and f and also and felt that the journey into the city was one that one would take for say the flower show or perhaps a, a good movie, definitely for a good restaurant, um, and occasionally for a blockbuster exhibition, but not necessarily to do First Friday or not necessarily to step over Vine Street, for example, to go to what's now the Vox building. Uh, we, on the other hand, recognize the fact that some of the best art that was being created in the entire region, and I don't, I, I don't mean state, I mean region, is happening right here in Philadelphia and happening by living artists who are, are taking so many of the same themes and ideas that were being tossed about in, in Barnes's day but by individuals who are actually making art and thinking about producing things, coming up with really cogent and original ideas that, and, and finding ways to manifest them through painting or sculpture doing that right here in Philadelphia. Uh, and the idea was to, to move them out of their comfort zone and into something that was less so. And that was only one way, way to go, and that was uh, to Philadelphia. And I found that once we, once we arrived and uh, knocked on the doors of the ICA or some of these smaller institutions like the, like the Da Vinci Art Alliance or Fleischer, any of, these, any of these places, they were open arms. I was glad to have you on board. And also with the commercial galleries, uh, Larry and Heidi and Becker, uh, Christine Fuster over at Pentimenti, um, uh, Wexler. I mean, it was all, when are you coming? Can't wait to see it. And so this belief that there was this a continued animosity between what Barnes had left and uh, what we had inherited was not necessarily true at all, I found. But there was, in fact, a lot of ignorance about who we are, what we were doing, and uh, this kind of um, cultish mentality that, of which I think a lot of Philadelphians felt existed out there in the, in the provinces. I have, to, I have to admit that some of it is true because then it comes out of some of the old school, some of the, the what I would call the Demasia years. We're talking about Violet Demasia? Yeah, perpetuating her, her theories and her ideas. Um, I, I think they've loosened up as well. <laughs> they still exist. Right? They still exist. Yeah, yeah, and they still use the they still use our collection as well for their classes. So we share the space with them as well. Two branches, similar theories, different practices, different slightly different pedagogies. Okay, John. <laughs> thank you so much for talking with us. We're speaking with John Gotti today at the Barnes Foundation. Thanks a lot. Uh, Roberta and Libby, it's my pleasure, and we'll see you out there in the field. <laughs> Thanks, John. Art Blog Radio is brought to you by theartblog.org. Thanks to our sponsors, including the Knight Foundation. Also, we want to thank Peter Crimmins, who makes us sound good. He's our editor. And thanks to Eric Biondo for his music. You can download these podcasts at theartblog.org slash radio.